Wow, Northside family, good to be with you today. What an incredible time of worship. Real quick, can we just welcome everybody online and just thank God for today, man, to gather together. Especially if it's your first time here, I want to welcome you. My name's Nate, and uh, I just want to welcome you and remind you too, if you're looking to get plugged in after the service, go out to the living room, or if you need prayer, just stay seated. We'd love to meet you right where you are. Uh, And this is the good news for all of us in this place today, uh, that God has a journey to take you and I on. Uh, That's what that bumper was talking about. Today, we're going to be talking about the person of Jesus. And, And sometimes, I'll just be honest, you know, we can begin to talk about Jesus. He can be a little bit confusing. Uh, Maybe you've grown up with an image of Jesus or an idea, or maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian household. And and so you're learning today about who he is. I just want to remind you, God invites you to come just as you are. He's not asking you to fake it. You know, it's not one of those fake it till you make it things, right? God just says, you come in here right as you are because he has a life-changing message. It's the grace of Jesus that when it gets a hold of your heart and my life, everything changes. And that's why we're doing this series for the year called Quest 52. Uh, We are on a quest to understand the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, and the passion of Jesus. Because as a preacher, you have to have every letter be the same, right? It all has to start with P, right? And really, this is a journey that we're on. And uh, here's what we, we ordered 3,500 of these. We're like, that'll be enough. Uh, Guys, we we sold out, all right? And uh, which is so cool. Some of you are like, I know, I tried to buy them and they're not there. Hey, don't don't worry, we ordered another 500 of them. They'll be here next week and you can pick them up for eight bucks out in the resource center. But this is just a daily devotion guide to help you get into God's word. And what's more important than this devotion is God's word. It's, it is living, it's active, it is his letter to us to understand more who he is. Uh, we ordered a thousand of these in December to give away for free. We gave away already a thousand and so we doubled down and we ordered another thousand, all right? And so if you don't have one, I want you to pick one up, it's free. Last weekend we gave 102 of them away. I love it. And if you have your Bible, I want you to open to Luke chapter two, it's in the New Testament. So if you open your Bible in the middle, just hang a right. All right, or you got your Bible app, you can open that as well. Uh, But what's incredible is this, the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Luke, this is what I love. Some of you, you have questions here today about who Jesus is. This is exactly why he's given us his word. That God says, I'm not intimidated by your questions. Matter of fact, this is what I love about God. God says, your questions are actually how you grow. Your questions and your interest with God is this invitation. So he's not intimidated by him. He's not mad if you have questions about him today. Matter of fact, that is why Luke is writing. Luke is writing. He's a historian. He's a doctor who has been hired by a Roman official named Theophilus because he's got questions. He's like, I'm hearing Jesus and I'm hearing that he's changing people's lives. And this is what he knows. He's going, I want to know who this Jesus is before I give my life to him. So you need to know today. He's not upset if you got questions about him. Jesus invites the questions and here's why. Too many times I grew up and this is how I grew up. I knew the Christmas story that Jesus came as a baby. And then I knew he started his ministry when he was 30 years old. And if someone were to ask me, what did he do between those 30 years? I would go, I don't know, right? You know, it's like, I don't know what he did, right? He came to earth and then he shows back up 30 years later. Well, what did he do? Now, here's the reason why in the gospels, you hear more about Jesus's birth and ministry in Matthew and Mark and John. It's because they were uh, people who have Jewish history, Jewish background. 
But Luke doesn't have that. And the person he's writing to, Theophilus, didn't grow up in a Jewish tradition. So he's going, I I hear this story, but it doesn't make sense. And what's incredible is this. What we're going to look at is the only recorded story we have of Jesus as a young boy. The only thing is this. What we begin to find in the life of Jesus is everything we need in order to follow him. You may be here today going, I want to have this relationship with Jesus. I'm just not sure how I do this. you, You hear we talk about these next step classes that we have. You go, I know I want to follow him. I'm just not sure. What's incredible is this. We're not only going to see how Jesus followed him, but how Jesus followed God is the blueprint how you and I can follow him. This is why he has the story. Matter of fact, what happens is in Luke chapter two, what we find is this, is that Jesus, for the first time, it's like his bar mitzvah moment at Passover, he gets to go up into Jerusalem. And for the first time as a young boy, he gets to go into the temple. Wow, right? You guys are all just mind blown right now, right? And here's why a lot of times we're like, I don't even know what you're saying right now, right? Here's why, because most of us in this room are not Jewish, So let me put it in in maybe uh, uh, terms that you can understand. Yesterday, people made a trek up to a temple in Bloomington called Assembly Hall. Right and uh, and right and we and they, and they descended on this temple right and some of you like now I get it right right now don't worry we'll lose at Purdue by fifteen I'm sure it's gonna happen right you know but I only preached to Kentucky fans yesterday at five o'clock that was the only it's just me and Kentucky fans in here uh, but you know what happened was you know yesterday's big game between Indiana and Purdue and, and this is what we know I used to live in Bloomington between 1990 and 93 and so my introduction to Bloomington Indiana was a man from Florida snob named Pat Graham, right? Damon Bailey, Calvert Chaney, Matt Nova, right? And here's what happened when I was nine years old. I went to Assembly Hall for nine years old and it got in my blood, right? And what I found out in Southern Indiana is this, basketball is a way of what? It's a way of life. It's a way of life. This is the mentality I want you to take when you hear that Jesus goes up to the temple when he's a 12-year-old boy. It is a way of life for the Jewish people. The reason why they would go to the temple to celebrate the Passover is this. They would go up there every year. Matter of fact, they would have a couple of celebrations every year because what they knew is this. You need to remember your way of life. You need to remember at the Passover, God came and saved you. You were slaves in Egypt. You had no way to save yourself. You couldn't save yourself. You were stuck in your slavery. And yet God came in and did what you could not do. And what they would do is this. They would get up there and they would celebrate their way of what? Life. They would remember this. So when Jesus makes this trek up there with his family, it's not just that he's being a good Jew. It's this, he is remembering that God is his way of life. See, oftentimes, here's our mistake with Jesus. We go, we don't really know anything about him. We know he's born. We know he shows up when he's 30. We don't know how he did it. He preaches these great messages. And we go, Jesus is kind of Superman, but we are what? We're like kryptonite, man. We're broken people. Matter of fact, in this place, here's the only thing we all have in common. I know in this place, or maybe those watching online is this. Some of you might not be a believer or follower of Jesus here today, but here's what every single one of us have in this place. Our commonality in this place is every single one of us are broken. And isn't it funny and interesting that when we come to church, 
We come wearing our best, hopefully trying to impress people to think there is nothing wrong with us. Ruthie steamed my shirt for me today, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, right? You're like, yeah, no, you couldn't do that good of a job. I know I can't, right? And, and this is what happens. Sometimes we come into this place hoping and praying that people would maybe see past our faults or see past our ways of life. See, what Jesus does is this. Jesus is our way of life, and what he says is this. You have no way forward without me. You are sinners stuck in slavery to sin, but I have come to rescue you and lead you out of that way of life. And what we find today is this. Some of you, you're going, I want to grow. I just don't know how to take my next step. I just don't know what it looks like. What I want us to do is to stop and look at the person of Jesus. And at 12 years old, what we're going to find is this. He says his first recorded words about God. And here's the thing. It changes everything. See, at a bar mitzvah, I didn't realize this, but a bar mitzvah, this is what it means in Jewish language, son of covenant. Because as a boy, when you went to your bar mitzvah, you went into your bar mitzvah as a boy, but you came out as a what? A man. It was a turning point. You no longer walk in childish ways. You are now a man. And what we find in Jesus' moment here in Luke chapter 2 is that Luke writes to Theophilus because what Theophilus is wondering, he goes, I hear about Jesus being God, but did he know he was God as a boy? And if he did, how did he live his life? Because I want to live the life the way of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, I want you to look to Luke chapter 2. We're going to find how Jesus begins to lay out how he invites you and I to live a life that he created for us. This is what it says in verse 40 of Luke chapter two. It says this, and the child grew and became strong, talking about Jesus, and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. It doesn't say Jesus was Superman and he just, you know, just came in and oh, he was kind of human, but really he was a robot. No, 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 he was God and he was 100% human. See, we got to pay attention to this because he shows us how to be human. He doesn't just come to save us. He shows us how to grow in the ways of God. Verse 41, it says this. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. All right, I love this story, right? It's like, whoa, all right? You know, they leave, they leave Jesus there in the temple. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions at 12 years old. And everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Now that word actually in the Greek means ticked off, right? They are ticked off. Like, and this is what they say. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Why, why, why are you running away from us? To which Jesus said, well, why were you searching for me? Now, that's how you get grounded, Jesus, right? Like, like, I don't know if you know that, right? Like, that's how you get grounded, my man. And here's the thing about Jesus. He wasn't talking back. Why were you searching for He wasn't being a smart aleck. Here's what happened. I didn't realize this until I started understanding more of the context. 
But here's what happened. When you would travel up, they were in Nazareth. When they would travel up to Jerusalem, they would travel up in families. They would go stay with families in the city. And so they would travel in a pack. Now, here's the deal. Before you were 12, when you traveled, all of the kids would travel with the moms. But when you became a man, when you were 12, you would travel with your who? Your dad. Imagine that, Joseph's first responsibility is he loses Jesus, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, so all of you dads in this place, you're like, man, I got problems. Joseph's like, I do too, right? You know, I left my kid in the temple, first time, right? Told you, we're all broken, man. We're all broken people. But listen what Jesus says. He doesn't just smart, smart eloquently say, why were you searching for me? He was pointing, and here's what I love that Jesus does. He asks questions, and here's why. Because he wants us to see something bigger. See, when Mary and Joseph showed up, they were anxious. They were angry. Jesus had not met their expectations. Did you know that sometimes the best thing for you and I is for Jesus to not meet our expectations? And here's why. Because he wants to show us something bigger. Sometimes... We get frustrated because things aren't working out the way we want them. And Jesus goes, I know, and I want to show you something bigger. And he asks them a question, why were you searching for me? And he doesn't do that to make them feel dumb. Because then listen what he says. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's what? House. He's going, here's what my life is all about. Even at 12 years old, he knew he was God, but he knew this. The only way he was to be God was to be about, I love how some translations say this, that you are about my father's business, that I had to be in my father's house. Verse 50, it goes on to say this, but they, Joseph and Mary, did not understand what he was saying to them. Sometimes Jesus will say stuff to you and I, and in the moment, we won't get it, we won't understand it. But he's asking questions because he wants you and I to see something bigger. They didn't understand what he was saying. But in verse 51, it says this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things up in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. And that word men is mankind, all of mankind See, the beautiful thing about Jesus in this passage is this. It's not just that he came to be our savior. He came to show you and I how to be human and how to have this relationship with God. And here's the thing that he teaches us in this passage is this. Spiritual growth is always a process. Spiritual growth is always a process. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say this. I'm in process. Turn back to him and go, yeah, you are. Yes, you are. You are definitely in process, right? And if you need me to tell you five areas, I'd be happy to, right? Now, here's the thing. We are all in process. See, oftentimes this is our source of frustration. We feel like we hit the, the, the wall in our spiritual growth. We're trying to change things in our life. And what Jesus knows is this. We are in process. This is why he came. And this is why we see how he lived because he shows you and I how to grow in the ways of God. Spiritual growth is always a process. Matter of fact, this is what I love in this passage. Listen to the words that described what was going on in the lives of the people. It says, Mary and Joseph were this, you ready? They were unaware. Jesus' parents were unaware that he wasn't there. They're unaware. 
Not only that, it says this, the people were amazed. It also says this, that his parents were astonished. They were ticked. And then it says this, they didn't understand. See, for you and I, there's things that we don't understand about God. But here's the good news about in Jesus. He wants you and I to see who he is. The incredible thing is this. Some of you are like, Nate, okay, spiritual growth is a process. How does this process begin? What is the process? First thing we see in this passage is this, is that process always begins with God. Some of the source of our frustration is this. We're trying to change ourselves, but can I just let you know, change doesn't begin with you. It begins with God. You're like, well, prove it. Here's what it says in this passage. It's this. It says that Jesus was lost for three days. Where else was Jesus for three days later on in his life? He was in a tomb. Luke very intentionally says this. He was lost for three days. Meaning this, when they came back, the change that they needed didn't begin with Mary and Joseph. The change they needed began with Jesus I love this in this passage. Change always begins with God. The change that we need begins. And then this is what's incredible is this. Not only does it say three days, but when he says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? This is what's incredible about this passage. One, this is the first words that we hear Jesus ever say in the Bible. And you know what his first words were? I love this about Jesus. Dad, dad. And then he says this, for I had to be in my father's house. Here's the other thing that's incredible. He not only was his first words dad, he was the first person ever to say that God was his father. Nobody had ever said that before. Matter of fact, people weren't allowed to say the word Yahweh out of reverence to God. You couldn't say the name of God. God was just God, you don't say his name. He is all powerful, almighty, and Jesus shows up and he doesn't just say dad, he says this, my father. You wanna know who God is? Get to know who Jesus is. See, what's incredible is this, he makes God personal. This is what he wanted you and I to know. And some of you are like, well, that's just spiritual jargon. Actually, if you begin to study neuroscience, this is incredible. Neuroscience even says this, at birth, and I watched this happen when my wife gave birth to our three kids. This was an incredible thing. They called it kangaroo care. I'm like, kangaroo who? Right? You know what? Like, what's going on, right? They said this. The first thing that they do is this. They put the baby right next to the mother because neurologically what a child needs to know is that I am attached to somebody. You can begin to study this word. There's things out there called attachment disorders. And it happens at birth when a child is born and it doesn't feel attached. And here's the thing about attachment. Attachment isn't a feeling. Attachment is this idea that I am safe and I am loved. And the first thing Jesus does is say this, dad, thank you for being my father. That here I am in this world. My parents don't understand me. These people don't get me, but I am attached to you, you are my father. See, some of you here today, this is why you're stuck spiritually. It's not that you're smart enough. It's not that God is waiting for you to get your act together. All he wants you to know is this, is that he is your loving father who has come to save you. And all he says is in Jesus is this, would you attach yourself to me? 
Would you begin to call on your father? That's why next weekend is our baptism weekend. And what you're going to celebrate is this. You're going to celebrate people attaching themselves to their heavenly father through Jesus. If you're not been baptized, if you're not given your life to the Lord, we want you to be praying about that decision. I love Kidside Ministry. This Thursday night, they have what's called their splash class. It's for the kids and Kidside. We invite their parents to come and learn about baptism. This Thursday night, just got word this morning. I'm thinking like, you know, maybe like eight kids will show up to that. We got 36 kids signed up this Thursday night. Man, like just go, hey, we are ready for this. Man, we're celebrating it. We got, some, we got a family in our, in our life group getting to baptize their son tonight. And it is going to be a holy moment because what's going to happen is this. This fourth grader that's in our life group is this. What he's doing is he's attaching his life to Jesus. There is no greater thing that you and I could ever give our life to than Jesus at 12 years old, he's blowing people's minds, right? At 12 years old, his first words, he is changing the system. At 12 years old, he's going, here's what it looks like for you and I to grow in God. Growth always begins with God. It doesn't begin with you and I. And it's always personal. My father. I had to be about my father's work. See, too many times, this is our mistake. We think we have to bring the change into our life. You know what God says? He goes, no, I am the change. Here's what I need from you. I just need you to create a life and an environment where change can happen. This is why we're giving away thousands of Bible for free. You know why? Because we want you to create an environment in your life that you read God's word every day, that you walk with God, that you begin to grow with God. Because here's, that is where growth happens I had one guy last night before service, he came up, he had tears in his eyes. And I said, man, it's so good to see he's started coming to church more consistently. His environment, he's coming to church, he's reading Quest 52, he's opening God's word, he's diving. He said, Nate, something incredible happened this week. And I said, what's going on? He said, I, I haven't had the best week, but he said, for the first time ever, I was actually excited about coming to church. And I'm like, thanks, I think, right? I'm like, so you're not excited? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I'm always excited to be here. But he said, most of the time, I always come into this place defeated because all I can think about is how much I've messed up this week. And he said, what's beginning to happen in my life is this, more than me being consumed with my failures, I'm beginning to be consumed with who God is. God never asked you to bring the change. He just asked you and I to make our lives an environment where change can happen. Matter of fact, Paul has to write to the church in Corinth because they get it all jacked up. They're broken just like you and I. And he has to write to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because instead of creating their life of change, they start arguing about who's the best pastor. Some people are like, I like Apollos. Some are like, I like Paul. Well, I like this guy. And, you know, real Christian mature stuff, right? And listen what Paul says to him in verse 5. He says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? He's like, no, 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 no. We're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord had assigned each to his task. He says, I planted the seed. I planted the good news of Jesus. Apollos watered it, but God made it what? God made it grow. I didn't make it grow. I can't make it grow, but I can tell people about Jesus. So then neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters has one purpose and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. And then here it is. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You believe that? 
You're like, no, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. No, according to scripture, this is what he says we are in Christ. We are God's fellow workers. We're God's field. We're God's building. That his spirit comes in and changes us. See, this is what Jesus was introducing at 12 years old. See, all growth begins with God, but here's the thing I love about it as well. The process also depends on God. Some of you, I remember July 4th, 1992 is when I got baptized. I was 10 years old. I remember that moment that I got baptized, but here's the thing. It's not just about that one moment. It is about now a lifetime of depending on God. Matter of fact, I remember my baptism uh, because I got baptized like a chicken nugget. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the baptistry heater was broken. It was ice cold. And so the night before they just turned on the heater as high as it can go, going, it's, you know, maybe it'll get warm a little bit, but it's pretty much broken. Well, we showed up Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Dad, this was like the old school where the pastors would get in with waiters. And so he got in, couldn't feel the heat of the water. I take one step in the water and I just scream out, I can't do this, right? And they're like, oh, he can't give his life to the Lord, right? You know, how embarrassing. And you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, I am a sinner. The, the water's boiling, right? I like stepped into it. And what was amazing is this, I kind of put some cold water in and it was so warm, I couldn't really go in. So dad just took me on the ledge of the baptistry, dunked me in, threw me out like a chicken nugget. That's how I got baptized, man. What an amazing, unforgettable moment. But I'm telling you, I needed to give my life to the Lord. But here's the thing. It wasn't just about giving my life to the Lord in that minute. The process of growth is that you and I continue to depend on God. Growth comes from him. But you and I, here's where growth continues. It, it continues when we depend on him. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, Jesus begins to share this. What's incredible is already at 12, he's smarter than his parents. Some of you are like, I'm smarter than my parents. No, you're not. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Jesus, you know, I thought I was, right? No, Jesus really is. He shares this word from the Lord, and then this is what it says. They didn't understand him. And listen what Jesus does in verse 51. But then he went down to Nazareth with them and was what? Obedient. Obedient. I'm smarter than you, Mary and Joseph. And then he went down to Nazareth, which was Podunk, Israel. It was obedient. His parents. And his mother treasured all these things up in her heart. This question came to mind as I read that passage this week. Can you be obedient to someone who knows less than you, but God has put him in authority over you? Can you be obedient to someone who isn't as smart as you, but God has put him in authority over you because Jesus did. He was smarter than his parents and he obeyed them. And all parents said, yes and amen, right? You know, yes, that's right. You walk in the way of Jesus, right? Guys, this is where Christianity gets real. Some of you, you have a boss who's younger than you, who's not as experienced as you. And you gotta follow him. 
You know what I found out about leadership? Leadership isn't so much can you lead. Leadership is this can you follow. See, this is the greatness of Jesus. At 12 years old, he knew he was the savior of the world. He knew who he was. And yet out of his life, he obeyed what the Lord had for him. Too many times, here's what happens. We lean towards our competency, get real smart, get all the tips, get all the trades. You know what's better than all the competency in the world? Humility. Competency without humility loses Jesus in the process. This is what I love about Jesus. He's an overnight 20-year sensation. <laughs> For the next 18 years, here's what Jesus does. He goes to a quiet city and he faithfully follows Jesus, or he follows God and he follows his parents. Now, some of you are like, oh, he missed his prime. No, I think Jesus did pretty good when he came back at 30, right? I think we're here today with this global movement that God continues to save. And here's our problem. Too many times we put Jesus on our timeline instead of living according to his timeline. Jesus became obedient to his parents. Jesus began to be obedient. See, here's the thing. Growth just doesn't begin with God. Growth is learning to depend on God. It begins to depend on him because here's what I love that God does. We look at that scenario and go, man, he missed out and he's in Nazareth. Matter of fact, people make fun of Nazareth. They're like, Nazareth? Anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus grew up in Nazareth? There's nothing good that comes there? Mm, how much Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, but how much he is what we need. What's incredible is this. See, it's in the ordinary that God begins to do the extraordinary things. Jesus grew up in a small town being obedient to his parents, walking in the ways of God. And in the ordinary days of his life, God did the extraordinary in and through him. I, I love this. I was thinking about that. And, uh, uh, I, you know, on, on Twitter is really great. Somebody here in our Northside family, uh, Heather Cooley, she's the husband of New Albany's uh, football coach, Steve Cooley, been friends with Steve for about 15 years. And uh, what was incredible is on Twitter, she posted this picture. What was really cool was this. She said, hey, I've been praying about my word for 2023. Just going, all right, God, what do you have for me, right? I, I want to depend on you. And she said, when I typed a comment on a friend's Facebook status in early January about what her word was going to be, light, the word light went ahead and pre-filled. So she's like, I, I took God's nudge that this should be my word, not knowing that in the month of January, our church would be doing a literal wall of light. Goosebumps. You ever pray that, God, I just need a sign. And then you walk in the lobby and you have to put on sunglasses, right? Because the multiplied wall is so big out there. And here's the whole power of that story is this. In her ordinary life, in her every day, she's just listening to the Lord, just obeying what would it look like this week? What would it look like tonight? What, what would it look like tomorrow if you and I woke up and our first words were this? Dad, I want to be about your business today. I want to be about your business today. God, I want, I want your kingdom to come. See, this is the power of Jesus. He wasn't just Superman. Yes, he was the Savior. He was also human, and he shows us the way to be human. In the ordinary, he does the extraordinary. See, God is about every moment of your life, every moment of my life when you're at school. Some of you are like, well, I'm only in elementary. Good news, the Holy Spirit wants to work through you in elementary. Because what we find in the end of this passage is this. Your spiritual growth, the process ends in God. 
It begins with God, it depends on God, and it ends in God. Listen to what it says in verse 52. And so Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Again, the word mankind. Jesus began to grow. And, and, and it says this, when he grew, it's literally this word to be forged in the fire. It means to have things hammered out in your life. This isn't just that, he, oh man, he's a teenager. Have you seen Jesus eat lately? Wow, man, that dude can put away the hummus. I don't know if you've ever, he's not just talking about that. He's talking about he's having to grow in his relationships. Guess what God has for you and I this year? He wants you and I to grow in our relationships. You know how you and I grow in our relationships? You know how we grow in our marriage? You know how we grow in our relationship with God? We allow God to have the final word in our relationship with him. We allow God to begin to speak into us. See, this is how the process of growth happens. This is why Jesus began to grow in his ways. And I love it. All through scripture, here's what we find. We find people like you and I who are in process. See, this is why this place is a place of grace because nobody has it together, but we're here for one person who does. It's Jesus. I feel so bad for one of Jesus' disciples, his name's Peter, because all we talk about, and most of the sermons I hear about Peter is this, it's all about his failures, right? How would you like it? 2,000 years later, people are still talking about you denying Christ, right? You're like, can we talk about anything else? I'm like, well, this is a pretty big deal, right, you know? Except what we get is this, if you turn in your Bible over to, towards the end of the New Testament, you get these two books in the Bible called First and Second Peter, Peter wrote him 20 years later after he had been just simply obedient to Christ. Day in and day out, being honest about his failures, honest about his insecurities. And listen what he writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, <laughs> verses 3 through 5. He says, his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Sounds like a man who's beginning to understand that growth begins with God. His divine power has given us everything we need for life to move past our failures and godliness through our knowledge of him. And then he says this in verse four, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is what Peter found out. His growth begins with God. His growth is when he learns to depend on God. And it's when he lets God be the end of his story. 20 years later, it took him 20 years to write that book. If you would, just right where you are, just be honest with me for a second. What would look different in your life if in 20 years, all you were was just simply obedient to God. What would begin to change in your life? Some of you are going, man, Nate, I, I really want to get rid of this anger problem. I wonder what would change if in this next season, change didn't begin with you, but it began with God. Man, I really want this to change in my attitude. Man, I wonder what it looked like if you really depended on him. If you'd allow him to be the final answer of your growth. When you came in and your cup holder, maybe on your seat, 
uh, we put this little card there. And I, wanted to just, I want you to just go ahead and grab it. If it's right there in front of you, maybe you got knocked on the floor, you can pick it up, steal the person's next to you, whatever you need to do, right, you know. But literally, this is a question that not just today, but throughout the year, we, we, we put this, one, you can write on the back of it your answer. The other thing is this, you can uh, keep it as a bookmark, maybe in your Bible, maybe in Quest 52 as you read. But here's the question that we just want to get good asking ourselves: is this, God, where are you leading me? God, where are you leading me? Some of you, you need to begin a relationship with Jesus and that begins by just simply going, Dad, I wanna be about your business. I wanna give my life to you. Next weekend, got baptism weekend, awesome opportunity for you, for you to take that step. Some of you, you made that step, but you've quit depending on him. Oh, you're skilled and you're talented. The only problem is this, you're exhausted and you're broken. And he goes, I want you back depending on me. Some of you got a scenario in your life, you're going, I don't know how this is gonna work out. Would you let God work it out? Would you let the time of God work it out? Would you let the ways of God work it out? If you would, would you stand with me? And I just wanna give you a moment. Just to tell God, God, this is where I believe you're leading me. Literally, if you would, just kind of head down, just looking at your card here, just this question. Just between you and the Lord. Would you be honest with him right now? Where are you leading me, Lord? Didn't you know? Didn't you know? I had, I had to be in my father's house. I had, I had to be about my father's business. Jesus knew the only way to be human was to be about God. That's the blueprint for your growth. That's the blueprint for my growth. That's the only way he became our savior. It's because he was the only one who never failed. He was the only one who kept walking in his ways. Just right where you are, I'm gonna pray for us here in a second. I just want you to tell him where he's leading you. So if you would, just pray with me. Father, God, I know every single one of us in this place, myself included, God, we have a next step to take with you. Maybe for the first time to just trust you with the situation, we've been trying to fix it. And Father, all of our attempts have actually made it worse. And so Father, for those scenarios and those situations, we submit them to you, we give them to you. Father, for us in this place that maybe have never began a relationship with you, Father, right now in this moment, Father, just pray that here in a moment they would just begin to cry out to you to let you have the final word, God, to let you begin to do a good and holy work in their life. So right now, just right where you are, would you just tell them? Maybe you need to cry out. 
Maybe you need to tell him where he's leading you, but would you just tell him right now? 